Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Halfway through the second and final pre-season Formula 1 test and the competitive order is starting to take shape. Daniel Ricciardo has set the fastest time of the six days of testing so far with a 1 minute 18.047 seconds using the Hypersofts for Red Bull. That of course breaks the unofficial testing lap record from this circuit set by Felipe Massa in April 2008. So these are seriously fast racing cars. Lewis Hamilton's second fastest overall, 1 minute 18.400 seconds using the Ultrasofts. I'm your host Ed Straw and joining me to have a look at what we've learned from this test so far and how things are shaping up heading into the season. First is Stuart Codling. What have you learned, Stuart Codling? Well, I, th- I think I might have learned that Pirelli have delivered what was promised in the Hypersoft tyre, something that is a, quite a big step from, from the tyre that's next along from it in the range. Gunther Steiner said earlier on this evening that um, it could be a second quicker than the Super soft. Well, there we go. That's no, sorry, the ultra soft. I, I keep oh, getting ultra soft and super soft mixed up, which I'm going to have to stop. Which actually brings us on to our second guest, Scott Mitchell. Now, you are a specialist in telling the difference between tyres because you've been doing our live coverage on Autosport.com and suffering, as we all have, from the difficulty of telling the difference between a hyper soft and the, and the white banded mediums as they speed past on the start finish straight. I know what all of the tyres in the range is supposed to be and I know what they're supposed to do and where they all stand the problem is I can't actually tell them apart because when you have a medium and a hyper soft uh, they they look so 
they look so similar on, on track, especially if the light hits them in a certain way. And they're obviously, that has quite dramatic consequences if you suggest that Valtteri Bottas has done a 1 minute 18.6 on the medium when he's actually done it on the on the hypersoft. But, you know, live, live and learn. I'm only two days into this test. I'm hoping by the end of pre-season testing, I'll have it cracked. Mind you, the Force India, um, when, it, when it's running the ultrasofts, they actually do, it sets your brain working quite strangely because they haven't run the Hypersoft yet. And and you see it coming past, you think, is that is is, is that the Ultrasoft or the Hypersoft? Because as, as it's tracking by a, a great Grand Vitesse, you have quite bright sunlight here. Certainly today, it's been very contrasty. I, I could barely tell the difference between the pink and the purple as it came zooming past and my neck did a whip pan. So, Stuart Codling, who's fastest? In real terms, not just in what the timesheet says. In real terms. Well, it's not Red Bull, is it? Because they just put on the fastest tyre and reap the rewards, which is not a bad thing. Um, I, I still think Mercedes have it. That car has looked imperious pretty much on whatever tyre it's been on. It's been remarkably quick and consistent, which has to be a little bit alarming for a lot of their rivals. But equally, there are a few teams down the back of the competitive order today that look like they haven't been doing very well. But say Force India, they, they seem to be quite pleased with coming away with, what, 130 laps Ocon did? They don't seem to be massively caring about the headline speed they achieved today because they got a lot of running in the bag and they, they feel that they've got more performance to come. So there, there's a lot of, dare we say it, known unknowns to peruse uh, in the timesheet before us. Well, you mentioned at the beginning that what Gunter Steiner said about the the step between the Ultrasoft and the Hypersoft being at least a second. So even if you just take him at his word, say it's at least a second, take a second off of Hamilton's time, and he's six tenths to the good or half a second to the good over over the Red Bull. So immediately that's a that's a pretty chunky deficit and even if you start going conservative you would place mercedes as at least a little bit ahead of the red bull and yeah. then you've got fuel loadings as well exactly i mean it's always very difficult will over the next few days we'll see some of the really really meaningful uh, longer runs and race runs that we'll be able to compare directly but i'm i'm quite encouraged by what i've seen from red bull the car looks really really good on track it's running pretty reliably now they had a few problems in the last test but i think if you're mercedes and i agree mercedes is on top I think Red Bull is looking like the, the biggest threat at the moment. And that, that chassis is very strong. And probably, if you balance up for, for power units, it's probably a match or even fractionally superior to the Mercedes. That is quite an interesting point. And certainly, uh, I, I don't know whether the Ferrari performance today has perhaps been a little bit less impressive because they had their slower driver doing the majority of the running, or whether they just weren't looking for performance at all. But um, they 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 haven't really set the world alight. They've been sort of close, but no cigar. Uh, the other thing that's been very strange is the the colossal gust of smoke that's emitted from the garage every time they fire that car up. I think Ferrari, the bigger concern will be it doesn't look like they're at the the kind of Mercedes level, and and Red Bull may have even uh, edged ahead of them overall. So that, that I think Ferrari's still got some work to do. We spoke in the previous test in the podcast about the the setup changes required of the higher rake approach and that's something Ferrari still seem to be working to, to get on top of. It's interesting up front what's very clear we've got those three teams that, that are that are ahead but they're close enough to make things make things extremely interesting. Well one thing I would say about Ferrari as well is that I had a bit of a weird day today. Was Kimi was supposed to drive all day but then 
Vettel came in and did the morning because Raikkonen was feeling a little bit unwell. And then when Raikkonen did take over, he only managed 49 laps. So this was a day where we had teams clearing 150 laps. And if you had Vettel and Raikkonen's tallies together, they only just about clear 100, I think, something like 110, something like that. And that's I mean, that's a good tally. You you wouldn't you wouldn't turn your nose up at it if it was offered to you and you and McLaren, for example. We'll get onto them in a bit, but you, we saw what we saw what Red Bull and Mercedes were sort of capable of on hypersoft and ultrasoft tyres, respectively. And Ferrari were a little bit off. Vettel was still four fastest, but obviously a second and a half back because we didn't see him on anything other than the softs today. I don't think uh, that that was the softest compound he used. So it's just, it's just a bit weird. Like two days left. Two days left. Maybe they're What's the cliche? Keeping their powder dry. Maybe that's very much the cliche. Yeah, maybe they maybe they know what they're doing and they're running their own program. But I just feel if they were doing that, would they not have completed more mileage? Did the fact that Raikkonen wasn't particularly well today hamper them? Because you wouldn't want to give Vettel two full days in the car in a row, would you? Oh, I'm sure he could do it. You reckon? It's hard, but not not impossible. Okay. Drivers used to do that back in the day. Back in the day, we were better back then. The drivers were, 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 men, were, men, were, no, they, they, were they, men were men. They still are, it's just they don't know. Don't when men were men and women were women. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the good old days, eh, when the Monaco Grand Prix was three hours long. Sterling Moss, four new wheels and tyres and a bottle of pop. <laughs> Excellent digression going on, going on there. Well, we've got a bit of a feel for the top three, and I think it be, will be interesting for Ari in particular to see how they get on and whether they can get on top of the car. I think there's... There's perhaps more progress than to be made because obviously the Mercedes is very much an evolutionary car and the Red Bull in many ways is. They've got very aggressive side pods and removing the undercut at the back and narrowing them. It makes it's a very interesting approach and it seems to be working very, very well for them. But the Ferrari potentially has the, the most to unlock. So it's interesting to see how they can get on. But behind them, it, it gets very, very interesting because we've had McLaren doing some interesting things, mainly causing red flags. Yeah, I was actually just about to interject and and say i'd actually even though on the times mclaren was better than the rest today um fernando alonso had a brilliant first couple of hours topped the times for a little while on hypersoft and racked up more laps than anyone else in the first couple of hours and then obviously as soon as it hit the two hour mark promptly the car broke down and he pulled to the side and we didn't see them again until the final 15 minutes of the day um he still ended up pretty quick just behind uh brendan hartley obviously in with that Honda engine that McLaren so willingly tossed away. But I would say that even though you've got Toro Rosso as best of the rest and then McLaren just behind despite having that shunted day, I would say that actually currently I would put forth the works Renault team. Um I I've been really, really impressed with them. Yeah. The mileage has been mega. Signs has been really quick and he was really quick today despite focusing on long runs. You know, Hulkenberg went out for the afternoon. He was out for the for the last four hours, four and a half hours, and he did. Um, he did was it 102 laps? He just cracked on. They they're just working through. Do you remember when uh, these sort of numbers were just unheard of for for the the Renault engine teams? And it's one thing for Rebel to go out and do it, but I do think Team Endstone is really starting to sort of find its feet again in F1. Well, that's where the the interesting battle is going to be. Them and McLaren. McLaren are well back from from Red Bull. McLaren car is is fine. It's nothing extraordinary, but it's a it's a nice baseline package, and I think there's going to be some pretty pretty impressive steps for there's, there's for, a lot for of, there's a lot of baselineness around it, isn't there? Like there's there's some elements that look fairly finalised, and then there's other elements around the barge boards and the the side crash structures where you think it's 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 almost like a 
one of those Tamiya kits or something like that, or a plasticine model where they've sort of done a first iteration of it, and you know that there's going to be something a little bit fancier appearing there. Well, they made, somewhere soon. They made a point of signing off the test package quite early on, so there is quite a big step to come for for Melbourne. I, I'm not that concerned about the the McLaren car overall. I think it, I think it's pretty pretty decent. I think it's stunning, but the reliability problems are a very serious concern because they've had. A multitude of different problems they've had some burning of the engine cover so they've had to cut some extra cooling holes they've had some heat soak pockets of course some problems hydraulic leak has caused stoppage a few electrical problems of course stoppages so there have been too many issues they had an oil leak on the engine which forced an engine change today and cost them over six hours so that is the big concern for mclaren the fact they're having this number of problems you don't do that in testing now have that many problems and given the difficulties they had with honda you have to ask whether there's a few areas in terms of the way that the team's operating that are a little bit below par. If they can get those reliability problems sorted, they've got a car that they can they can work with. It's not it's not stunning. It's not going to be McLaren at the front, but it puts them in a in a in that battle for fourth with uh, with Enstone. I mean, one one thing I would say is that McLaren's problems as a well, I guess you have kind of, do you have to put the problems down to them as a race team, or is it as a what is it that what do you blame when when you've got these sort of problems? Because well, are, they depend, engine, depend, are they engine? Are they engine? Are they electrical? The is it integration? Is it their operations? Is it finger trouble? Like that, that's that's what I mean. Like well, th- well, this is the problem for McLaren. It's all of them. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so you just what, have to question the, the big thing. Yeah, well, the big thing for me there is that I think we spoke about this yesterday, Ed. This, to me, this just rams home just how remarkable Mercedes is as a as a team. The fact that without. I can't remember a, a single blip operationally in testing over the last, what, five seasons now? They just go out and it's just lap after lap and it doesn't matter what co- tyre compound they use, they're really fast and then you get to the end of the day and you go, oh, well, if we correct this for the compounds, they're, they're going to be in front and it's it's just relentless and no one seems to be able to match them. And McLaren's in quite a long way from that standard at the moment. McLaren just feel a little bit like a complacent old team and... Mercedes are just that much sharper in pretty much every respect. But the really the really interesting thing for McLaren this year is that the stakes are phenomenally high. They've spent the past few years talking about how good the chassis is, how great it would be with a good engine. They've got a race-winning engine in the car. Okay, the Renault's not the, not the best power unit package to have, but it, it's capable of winning races. They've sunk huge amounts of money into parting company with Honda and getting a Renault deal. That's made a massive difference, required a cash injection from the board. So the stakes are sky-high. And no, Zach Brown, Eric Bouvier, the guys who've made this happen, that the pressure is is intense, and they need to stop these small problems happening. And you know, you can have a clever car, but if you can't get the best out of it, then there's then there's problems. McLaren need to be finishing fourth this year. I think that would be a pretty reasonable return, but it's still a very long way from fourth to being challenging. Well, if they to, don't, to challenging the if they fourth. don't finish fourth, then like, who's who's going to beat them? And they're going to well, be beaten by okay the works team but it's very much a works team that's been back in f1 for well you say three seasons but can't, can you really count 2016 so if they don't get beaten by renault they're going to get beaten by a, one of the other customer teams so force india or williams that doesn't have anywhere near the expertise history and resource that mclaren has so anything less than fourth is actually is it's not going to reflect very well and the people that are investing in that company now as you say because They've, you know, in losing Honda, okay, they've lost a troublesome engine supply, but they've also lost their biggest sponsor, the company that was pouring money in. 
So it's required fresh investment on the inside and, and, and that comes with, with a new level of expectation and pressure. You don't deliver suddenly people in very high places with a lot of power and influence start asking some very tough questions. That team is the perfect metaphor for the very, very peculiar age we live in. They've had this incredibly expensive divorce in terms of the money they're not going to be getting anymore and it it seems like they haven't properly considered the the outcomes it's it's far too early to look at Toro Rosso's performance and say that Honda have solved all their problems but McLaren haven't had the performance uplift that you think they probably should have done and they they're a team that just over the past few seasons have made public statements in one direction and then kind of backscuttled in another in that you have Eric Boulier talking about um, under-promising and over-delivering and yet they've in effect been promising over the off-season that they're going to be absolutely kicking backside from from the off pretty much. They've, they've been promising huge performance uplifts and expecting better things and instead the car's just braking all the time which suggests that there is something there is a deep-rooted malaise within that company that is preventing things from happening the bottom line is by australia they've got to be reliable and, and performing and that's the point my questions yeah. are really well, heads really are going to roll again about. basically exactly. aren't they exactly how about the the rest scott mentioned teams like williams force india we haven't seen massive headline times from from those sorts of teams Haas obviously is in the in the mix Sauber as well who is looking good from among that that clutch of teams well Roman Grosjean seemed quite happy today with where where Haas is at the moment he was pretty pretty quick he was a couple of attempts shy of uh of being right up there with with the works Renault guys so he says that Haas seems to be in the best position it's been in in its short history in F1 just the 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 car I think he said that it feels like a step forward in every every area. Just there's much more confidence. We we all know his his brake dilemma is well documented now. But he claims the team claims that they've not had a single problem in testing so far. They've changed material and provider for for this season. I, so I begged, having watched him in the first test, they he was having problems. It may not be fundamental brake problems, but he was still braking too late. Oh no, that, but that's that's not the same as sort of not really having the confidence that when you chuck the brakes on, it's going to do something, is it? They, I think those are slightly different things. If he's braking badly as a racing driver, that's not quite the same as not having the. Well, faith I, th- in I think he's he's his expectations of what the brakes can do don't entirely tally with with what they can do. That's the the frustrating. It's Grosjean's so frustrating because he's he's capable of driving incredibly well. Oh no, absolutely. So so. That's sort of one thing, but I think they're going to be in a position where they're, I don't know, I don't want to do them a disservice, but they all might be a little bit in no man's land. I don't see them having a sort of Renault Force India style spike in performance at one race. I just sort of see them maybe being a little bit in between, but Force India seemed quite good. Esteban Ocon was talking quite positively about where they might fit in with the relative pecking order and actually seemed quite quite aggressive in his comments suggesting that maybe they might not be too far away from from Red Bull and we've talked about them in the context of not being too far away from Mercedes so that's quite a big thing and to me it's not about sort of who's looking quite good at this stage it's more that unless we see a big couple of days for the rest of the test for Williams I would say that that's the team that we're looking at being potentially in trouble for the start of the season because I think you said earlier when we were talking about Okada's they're not doing a lot of laps, and when they are lapping, they're not lapping very quickly. Yeah, but whatever tyre they're on, 
no matter what program they seem to be on. They're not going massively quickly. They're having quite long breaks where the, the shutters are drawn across the garage and, and you're not quite sure what exactly is going on. But at no point has that car looked particularly strong or like it has got... I, I suppose that there, there was a point maybe this morning when they'd had maybe some sort of trouble earlier on and parked it for a bit and then Stroll came out and did a, a pretty decent and consistent set of laps I think on the soft where he was in kind of maybe the just off the top of my head he was he was doing 121s 122s and and was looking all right but it, it didn't go on for very long and then he was back in again before too long and they, they just don't seem to have got the sort of long runs that you, you would be expecting to be doing at this point, and especially when you think that Ocon did two Spanish Grand Prix distances. Um, between them, the two Renault drivers did eight laps short of three Spanish Grand Prix distances between them to date. What I think is worrying about Williams is this car is a is a big conceptual change and there's a lot of aerodynamic elaborateness. I do fear Williams may have slightly overreached themselves, though, because I know they were quite pushed to get the the car out and get through all the crash tests and everything. And there are, from those who've had a close look at the car, there's a few little cut corners and things they've had to do to make it all hang together that, that suggest things are a bit rushed. So you can look at that two ways. You can either say that this is a car that's not quite where it where it should be in terms of how well it's prepared and everything, and there's there's a load of performance to be unlocked. And the other way you can look at it is that maybe Williams have just gone a little bit too far. They're an interesting contrast with Haas, really, because Haas have gone with a, an evolutionary car. They've not sprouted ultra complex aero that kind of thing admittedly they did have the fairly elaborate bargeable uh aero setup last year already the ferrari style one but i feel like Haas have said right well we want to continue to develop the team we want to have a package we understand and we can make work well particularly early in the season when others are struggling whereas williams has done this sort of reach for the skies type thing and it's it's just a little bit it's a little bit concerning i, I don't think we've seen any evidence there's there's great pace in that car. I never thought you'd bring S Club 7 into a podcast, Ed. But <laughs> yeah, the, the the thing you have to think about with Williams is that they've got a mountain to climb already in terms of understanding that car, whereas other people who are using evolutionary packages, um, in, in effect... Such what, as Mercedes. Such as Mercedes. In effect, they're just confirming existing hypotheses and just checking that everything's as it should be over these past few days whereas Williams actually need to be on a learning process don't they they need to be developing a greater understanding and really Williams should have been targeting an absolute minimum of the sort of laps Renault were completing in order to just to be on par with where they are I would um you you drew the comparison against uh against Haas for Williams I would maybe suggest comparing them to Sauber and, and and I don't mean that in a in an insulting Sauber were the worst team last year so we should compare Williams to them because they're rubbish way but because I think those are the two teams is it fair to say that had the biggest departures from the philosophies of their 2017 cars yeah they're a lot they're a lot more well certainly in terms of the level of elaborateness is probably the yeah way to put so it. they're a bit more aggressive in terms of what they've done year to year and when I was when Marcus Ericsson was talking after yesterday's running on I say yesterday now to mean the first day of this week's test. He said the frustrating thing is that he could see the glimpses of the potential that this car has, but the problem was that they fell out of the window. So over the course of a run, he might have, I guess he means that they would have it for a few laps, but then it would fade away quite quickly. So the trick is to work out how to extend that window so they can have that performance. But he's, he talks so positively about, I can just feel how much more potential this car has. It feels really good. 
the, we're bringing updates and they're correlating with what we're expecting um, with our data beforehand. So everything's really good. And yet on the other side, Williams, I haven't really heard them speak very much, but they're not a million miles ahead of Sauber in terms of time. Sauber are racking up much more laps. It's just, it's a bit, okay, well, where's that evidence? Where's that enthusiasm that we're sort of seeing on the Sauber side? If the slowest car on the grid presently can turn around and be that enthusiastic, sort of get you feeling a little bit more positively about it, like what are we, that's why I say I think we just need to see something quite big from Williams in the next couple of days to just allay a little bit of concern that they might be in a bit of trouble heading to Melbourne. Well, this is what the next couple of days are going to be about. This is when it has to really start to come together for everyone. They have to show they can run reliably and consistently. And there's some big question marks hanging over teams like Williams, like McLaren. And also, hopefully, we'll we'll get a bit of a, a sharper focus on the relative performance of the big three teams. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I'm going to certainly make an effort uh, tomorrow to spend a good amount of time watching trackside to see what we can see. I'm a great believer in the Gary Anderson school of, uh, of paying attention to what the, the cars are doing on track. What, what's the... What's the what? It came up in your McLaren feature that's available on Autosport Plus, didn't it? The um, the like the trackside test, basically, that just the eye test. Yeah, yeah. the eye test. Yeah, just like well, you can you can put the best tires on the car and give yourself a load of grip and cover up a few things. You can run it light on fuel or whatever and make it look quite lively. But you can build up a picture. A car can't. A car won't do what it can't do, and a good car will be consistent and do what the driver wants it to do so you can see something from that that, tell, that tells you something about whether a, whether a car's working so that's the that's interesting and yeah the McLaren looks looks decent enough on track the Ferrari's the one I'm really interested to have a, a good look at and see see whether they've got that that rear end uh, that rear end under control I would suggest that our podcast listeners should tune in to hear what you have to say about the McLaren because the McLaren is the big question mark at the moment because of the lack of running the problems and obviously all the hype around them switching to the Renault engine and Fundamentally, I think the big question is they're 1.8 seconds off the pace using the same tyre. So the question is how much of that time is fuel load, run, program, whatever influenced and what sort of hints will you get trackside tomorrow? Because as you say, if you can explain away the majority of that gap, then great. If you can't, then it's a little bit of a concerning distance between two customer teams so i will be fascinated to see what you have to say let alone what our uh, readers and listeners think i think there's gonna be quite a big gap to red bull but remember the gap from the top three to the rest last year was was pretty enormous so you can you can park in that with quite a big overall deficit so that's going to be one of the interesting things to keep track of so keeping on allsport.com for all of our coverage we'll have the live coverage with scott trying to tell the difference between different tire compounds we'll have all the news and reports we'll have in-depth features there's a gary anderson feature in the plus subscriber area comparing some of the different treatments and approaches the teams have taken to various key parts of the car which is very interesting stuff also check out autosport magazine which is out every thursday plenty of coverage of testing and the build-up to the 2018 formula one season there and also check out f1 racing Stuart calling what's on the cover of this month's issue which is out um next week i think it will be on landing on subscribers doormats on monday fernando alonso you're going to post fernando alonso to all your readers he is being posted which well, it's a little bit like that publicity stunt he did in japan that went hideously wrong i was just about to say he's going really extreme in his um attempts to make kimoa a, a household name isn't he yeah going door to door to f1 racing D- door readers. to door to f1 racing readers causing riots in uh, shibuya crossing if that doesn't get you a subscriber i don't know what will
Well, he's got to do something with his time when he's only able to pick up the well, fifth place in Formula One. So. And the, but there's plenty more to read in in this month's F1 Racing. There's an exclusive interview with Force India COO Otmar Zafnauer in one of uh, the country's most feversome Indian restaurants, the Kushbu in Brackley, and he will be pronouncing on uh, Formula One's spiciest driver partnership. There you see, that's how, oh. there's the visual joke. You can see how the concept of these features comes up. I think I think with that we should we should move on. But yes, despite that uh, that punnery, we can, we can recommend F1 Racing magazine. So thanks very much for listening. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just two fifty. dollars Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.